G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Some special attention today to how people in remote country towns are dealing with the issues of this year and how families in the outback might be preparing for this coming Christmas season. Some communities have continued to face prolonged drought, dealing with holding together family and farming often with difficult financial pressures and vulnerabilities in members of families. Well, our special guest through this next hour, Pastor Liz Howland, has just returned from a ministry expedition into the central west of Queensland and up into the north of Queensland. She describes it as a power-packed time in centres like Barcalton and Longreach, west to Winton, then north to Hewenden and east to Charters Towers where temperatures were frequently up into the 40s and I know that so many in so many centres around Australia right now will be knowing what that feels like right now with temperatures up into the 40s. You might recall Pastor Liz Howland is not afraid to venture down unknown dirt roads. She's no stranger to the challenges of a looming storm on an outback road. Her courage and her compassion for Outback families is an inspiration. Liz Howland was born into a pioneering central Queensland rural family. Her family was at the forefront of stud and commercial cattle breeding and some of her siblings remain in those industries today. But Pastor Liz Howland, who leads Ray of Light Ministries, Liz, a special welcome back to 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. Liz, uh, you've only just gotten back from your uh, visit to uh, some outback centres. It's pretty tiring, isn't it? It can be tiring, um, but I've been very blessed uh, on this trip. I've had a caravan and it's air-conditioned. And that has made an incredible difference to how I function. Uh, Let me just say that I think it must be the last 15-odd years uh, when you've been travelling into outback centres and you often will travel up into the Northern Territory and you'll travel into northern, western New South Wales, uh, but uh, you haven't always had this luxury of a nice air-conditioned caravan. No, I haven't. And I'm very grateful for the provision of that van uh, but that's not my major point. It, to me, it's just a tool to attend to the things that need to be attended to, and it's just wonderful for me. And you find that on your expeditions, you come across a lot of very delicate circumstances. Now, this is interesting because people who are on outback properties, you know, big uh, farming uh Uh, uh, wonderful enterprises that are going on throughout the nation. Uh, You come across all sorts of things that are going on within families. And, you know, we might think of issues that go on in our own personal family life, but uh, there are some big struggles that go on in Outback families. Uh, Give us an insight here into the sorts of things in general that you come across. Yes, I think the drought seasons have really uh, magnified some of the challenges in family life and family business partnerships. And uh, sometimes the only solution is a dissolution of those partnerships on the land. 
uh, where you know married sons and daughters come up and they want their own entity, and to navigate and negotiate uh, those situations is is quite an art for those families. Often there's a lot of pain, a lot of hurt that um, is engendered in that dissolution of partnership. And uh, one such situation I just came into recently was a a family business with about three or four or five properties even, and uh, just trying to uh, share it amongst the family. And I met this particularly courageous girl. And uh, she married into this family and she really did contribute mightily into the situation. But when it came time to the disillusionment of the partnership, because of very untenable circumstances, her husband wasn't as strong as what she was to be able to go the distance in this partnership to get the, the right outcome for their family. So this young woman felt like she was the only one that was still standing in the face of every opposition and it was a two-year uh, ongoing thing that took place. And so when I turned up to her, she was able to unload every pain, every issue that had harmed, hurt her so much emotionally, mentally. Um, and we spent five hours together. And I was able to listen and minister into and pray for this young woman. And she went away with the weight lifted right off her and ready to forgive and ready to, when the time's right, for her to embrace that family that she had come out of. There's that old saying, a burden shared is a burden halved. And uh, you've got people who live in outback remote communities or or on properties uh, where they don't have easy access to those sorts of conversations where they can share those things. And interesting, when you have a pastor arrive on your doorstep, well, there are some certain skills that a pastor brings to a conversation, not to mention the spiritual dimension, which uh, you know we can talk about, but, but just sharing the burdens uh, is in itself a therapeutic thing, and uh, the weight is lifted, Liz. Yes, one of the greatest gifts we can give is a listening ear. And to come into those situations and just listen and just feel in the spirit, the heartbeat of God towards that person and to be able to listen more than you speak, to build relationship and, you know, to do that in five hours, you need the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to come on that situation, to navigate it all through for the very best outcome for that person that day. Liz, there is a perception, I think, and, and you know, we might pick this up when we're accessing all sorts of different media from different places and hearing things. There's this idea that, that the drought is over, uh, that nobody's suffering anymore, everybody's making money again. Uh, give us a little bit of insight here. What have you picked up from your travels uh, just over these past few months uh, as to where people are at in some of these outback and remote centres? Yes, Neil, I was even shocked um, at how widespread the dry seasons are because, you know, we hear the news and we see rain fronts come through and storms here and storms there. And many of us had, or many people, had the impression that the drought was over. But I can assure you the drought is not over. Um, there's been 10, 11 years of drought in some areas. Even the ones that have had rain, their stock numbers are so depleted 
that it's going to be years before they have uh, a uh, an income that is going to uh, be anywhere near what it previously was. And even that area out around Winton that had that incredible rain a couple of years ago uh, where they lost, one family I visited had lost 80% of their cattle with the flood and then with the cold weather that accompanied it. And all of that country out there is back in drought right now. And as a result of some of the challenging conditions that you find uh, when you visit these places and where you've got families that have got their own issues and there are vulnerabilities, and you know we were hearing when the drought was at its worst uh, of all sorts of uh, conditions which were producing uh, suicidal uh, mm. ideation in people who were in outback and farming communities. Uh, these sorts of vulnerabilities are still very real. They are still very real. And the biggest thing I come across is um, unprocessed grief. And grief can come from so many different ways. It can be disappointment, disillusionment. Then it spirals down, you know, into almost like a stronghold in a person's mind. And to be able to give people an ear to hear and then come back with God's answers in a way they can understand is the greatest gift I can give them. And very often, uh, case in point, I met a traveller out at a little isolated town called Yaraka, which is absolutely Yaraka or Yaraka. I don't know which way you say it. But that I think I would town, say Yaraka. Yeah, but, I think uh, it I might think, be yeah. Yaraka. Mm, but right, in okay. You have the to ask the vernacular. locals. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, it was a place where a lot of tourists come through and the only the central part of the town is, a, is the hub, is the hotel. So everyone either camps near the hotel, eats at the hotel, and that's where you meet all the people. So I camped there and met many, many people. But I met a, a man who 50 years ago had been, uh, his brother had been uh, killed driving a truck that he should have been driving at the time. Um, it, there was an explosion and three people were killed. And this man had never been able to talk about it, let alone release that grief. And just by way of conversation, he began to open up and began to share what it was like for him ever since then, carrying this part that was locked down inside of him that he'd not been able to face because of the pain of it. And right there beside his caravan, we came to a point where I could pray for that man. And he left there a different man. Isn't it a tragedy that people can carry grief for that long without the capacity or the right listening ear to help them process it and be free of it. Liz, let me take our conversation into a deeper level here because, as I said a few moments back, uh, when you share a burden, it's halved. And then you say you come across these people at a hotel. It's the local watering hole. It's where everybody gathers. It is the hub of an outback community to go to a hotel. And you can have a few drinks and you can start to share these sorts of things, but it doesn't take you to a deeper dimension of being healed and relieved from that grief that you are talking about. Mm. And the issue here I want to take you into is... When you say, because this doesn't happen just with a hotel conversation, that somebody says, let's pray. Because when we pray, we bring all the dimension of heaven into the, the, the circumstance. Take us into what happens 
when you pray, when you've heard these sorts of situations and you say, do you think we can take a moment here to pray? Well, look, that happens often. And sometimes it actually happens in the hotel. Uh, This particular hotel has set up a library with the resources I carry for the local people just to avail themselves of. But uh, with the dimension now of the caravan, I can take them into that beautiful quiet space where they have privacy and uh, it just it just gives a bigger new dimension uh, to how I'm able to deeply minister into these lives. But the thing out in those uh, communities is denominational labels are absolutely of no consequence to anyone. And um, it's just the love of God and the... Um, the light of Jesus Christ that we carry, that is what does the work. And I believe that we're in a season now where the darkness is getting darker. People are more bewildered, even in the cities, are more bewildered, more afraid, uh, don't know where everything's going. Even Christians today, uh, they're very unsure of the future. And that's when we have to, as Christians, really dig deep and purpose in our hearts to keep our eyes on Jesus, to hear from him and deliver what he says and to steady people. This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Our special guest this hour is Pastor Liz Howland. She leads Ray of Hope Ministries. Our talkback line open, 1-800-316-316. You can respond to our Facebook question, how much is the presence of a pastor appreciated in remote outback towns? Uh, Liz, you visited a lot of towns. You had a lot of conversations with a lot of people and people who were in desperate need. Uh, Take us into a story or two here. One of the situations that really, they were not so much in desperate need, but one of the situations I came into really touched my heart. And um, these people were pretty much destocked on their property. The husband was away three weeks out of four, uh, working machinery to pay adjustment for the remaining cattle they had. And I met this amazing, courageous young woman. She was homeschooling three children uh, in a demountable. She uh, takes care of the property while he's away. She was probably one of the most positive girls I've ever met in my life. And um, just in the process uh, of meeting, we had sent gift cards and hampers and things into this entire region a couple of years ago. And Word for Today has been going in there for at least four years. And this young woman... um, invited me out for morning tea and she intimated that they had half an hour for morning tea which would be 10.30 onwards and so I got together a beautiful hamper I just felt to go to the local store who knew her and get things that would be really treats for this family and was this beautiful big box of um, groceries and fresh fruit and vegetables and things And she has a written response. She wrote you a little letter, and uh, I'd love to read this for listeners. Uh, This person says, Thank you so much for your impromptu visit on Tuesday. Both the kids and I loved having you for Smoko, and I really could have chatted all day. You're such a kind and inviting person that I feel I've known you forever. 
The kids wanted to know if you were coming back tomorrow. Thank you for the lovely groceries you brought with you. I'm so looking forward to sitting down with Brad and my sister over the weekend and enjoying some lovely cheese and bickies. We're keeping the Cheerios for the girls' birthday. We broke into the watermelon for pudding last night. They couldn't wait and quickly demolished a quarter of it. It's delicious and very much appreciated. Last but certainly not least, I was overwhelmed to receive your card in the post today with the so very generous voucher. You've really gone above and beyond for us and I just want you to know we very much appreciate it. I'm sure the kids will have a lot of fun choosing things for the school room. Please pass on our thanks to all who made your generosity possible. I hope with all my heart that the next time we speak, I'm bringing you news of wonderful, wonderful rain. There's a little thank you in there that some listeners will have picked up because uh, lots of people contribute into the way you actually have some sort of something of substance, like a voucher to be able to pass on. But uh, wonderful response. That's the sort of letter that must make your, uh, your heart feel good. Well, it's not that often that it gets verbalized so succinctly. And I really put that in there to show the people that support how effective their uh, support is as going out into these outback areas. Uh, when we talk about people who are in desperate situations, sometimes we're thinking, you know, drought conditions very bad, uh, finances drying up, uh, marriage under stress. People don't have to be at that point to be really in desperate situations, do they? I mean, there's all sorts of challenges that happen within ordinary families, just keeping a family together and at the same time running a farming business. These sorts of things have huge, huge issues and challenges. Yes, and, and but husbands and wives are just encouraging them to preserve their marriage at all costs. You know, often in these situations, the husband has to go away working, the wife is running at the show at home or she has to go away to a sick relative and it just kind of divides and takes people away from their primary relationship, that beautiful marital relationship that God treasures so much. And that is what uh, has pressure put on it. And listeners that are listening this morning that want to pray um, for these Bush families, really pray for their families and their marriages, you know, that in the midst of all the challenges, that that will remain a strong, tight entity because that's the backbone of our nation. Uh, Liz, there's those people in very remote communities and on properties. What about the ones who are in the towns, uh, in outback centres? Lots of Australians are holidaying at home now because, hey, you can't jump on a plane and go overseas. Holidaying at home. Uh, In fact, I hear reports that that's a boost for country towns. Did you happen to see any of that while you were travelling? Yes, I did. Uh, Once the COVID restriction on limited uh, distance driving was lifted, there was an influx of tourists out into those outback areas, which has been with so many vans on the road and people travelling. And that really has, it gave them a boost. I think it was from July onwards and till the weather got hot. And it was a real boost to these uh, country towns because the businesses in country towns are just as affected as the people on the properties. When the people on the properties have no money, the businesses in town suffer equally or worse um, in keeping keeping going. And when there are casualties from those struggles that businesses go through, and let's, uh, you know, just acknowledging there's a little reprieve, 
Uh, but when there's, as I think you described, dissolving business partnerships and uh, marriages or families uh, falling apart, uh, there's deep wounds, there's casualties in all of that, and that's where uh, your ministry comes to be very, very valuable. Yes, I just believe that is the area that God has called me into to see the men of our nation, number one, in their rightful place as the spiritual heads of their homes. But family situations, um, a lot of my resources are so carefully chosen. They're on conflict resolution. They're on raising children. They're on communication, good communication. Often bush people, not all bush people, but often bush people find it very difficult to articulate uh, difficult confrontational conversations and they don't have the skills sometimes to put them in a way that the the listener can hear and vice versa and so to carry materials with a Christ-centered message on communication on grief on building manhood uh, men uh, what I Watson's books have been amazing for that uh, they're the things that really make a difference that are there long after I leave the leave the property. And of course, uh, as listeners might know, and from earlier conversations too, the uh, one of those staples that you carry is the word for today. And yes. you said you like to just make sure that people are resourced with that mm-hmm. because it gives that daily focus on keeping things Christ-centered and addressing these issues of our lives. Well, a wonderful situation happened at Winton. I really wanted to get feedback from people that received it. So I had the opportunity to be at the polling booth on polling day at Winton. So as the people came in, I was with my friends who were uh, in charge of the whole polling thing. Um, I just asked each one I was introduced to, um, do you get a little, uh, do you remember getting a little booklet in the mail? It comes under this packaging. It's called Word for Today. And almost without... uh, Almost everyone said, oh, yes, we do. And and is it meaningful to you and do you enjoy it? And they said, yes, we do. It's very meaningful. And one lady said, it gives me something to positive to focus on before I go to sleep at night. Liz, let's talk about things like prayers being answered. And when you find yourself into a community and someone's got a need, they're desperate, they're in grief, they're brokenhearted, they're going through all sorts of challenges, Uh, what comes to mind as an answered prayer we can talk about? Well, I'd love to speak about the answered prayer just in the last few weeks of a young woman who was bitten by a brown snake at Charters Towers, actually. Wow. Wow. And a brown snake bite can be lethal. They got her to Townsville in time and... The prayer chain went out, and I know there's 95 people on my prayer list, and they also, some of them, have extended prayer partners. So this went out across a great number of people. And do you know that little girl? I say little girl. She's tiny, and she's about 25. She recovered dramatically with very little symptoms uh, left. She just It was a miracle, actually. Because I've walked with another family through a snake bite, and that was a very prolonged thing. There was prayer all around the world for that boy. Uh, Let's talk about answered prayer here, because uh, this is an interesting one, isn't it? Some people will say, well, if someone uh, suffers a snake bite, uh, they, with the right treatment, anti-venom, those sorts of things, uh, they can recover, and that's all a science issue, a medical issue. But when you have someone who has been bitten by a snake... And they are then facing the potential for 
dying from a snake bite. How important is it to bring into that circumstance this idea of prayer and uh, expectation that God can do a miracle, he can preserve you and he can heal you? Uh, because if we don't have that comfort and that strength, uh, you're facing eternity without that comfort and strength. What are your thoughts for uh, the power of prayer when someone is facing life and death situation like having a, a snake bite? Well, to me, the power of prayer is the most profound and most beautiful gift we can give anyone. And we see so many prayers answered. Now, this young woman, because of the power of prayer, she had to be taken a two-hour drive in an ambulance. It took quite a while for the ambulance to get there. The wound had been bandaged, but not professionally. And the power of prayer kept that girl in the most peaceful state. Uh, and she felt that peace all the way through this entire ordeal. The power of prayer can just bring such peace. It's no respecter of distance. It can be the other side of the world. When we pray, God moves. And this little one testifies to that, that answered prayer over her life. Well, that's so powerful because if it was an industrial accident, uh, which happens uh, in farming communities, uh, tractors and all sorts of equipment, those sorts of things can lead to all sorts of circumstances. People can be injured. Uh, but then you've got the wildlife factor and uh, the potential for being bitten by a snake, uh, in some sense, uh, might be heightened if you're in some outback communities. So this peace that passes all understanding for the Christian believer who lives in the outback it's powerful because you might be hours away from the med medical help that you require. Absolutely. That peace, that, as you said, the peace that passes all understanding, Neil. You can only know that and when you've experienced it. And many of us will experience that in our deepest, darkest hours. And isn't it isn't it wonderful to talk about in relation to a snake bite? And, uh, you know, people in the West know that those brown snakes, they're pretty nasty little creatures uh, if you're on the wrong side of them. This peace that passes understanding when we're faced with life and death like that. But this is the same peace that we can talk about as you were discussing a little earlier when someone's coming through their grief uh, and if let me just take this to another dimension here, because, uh, you know, sometimes people are lonely and it might even be loneliness because in a remote situation, you haven't got that life partner that you've been praying for. Uh, how do you how do you talk about grief and, and this peace that passes understanding if for someone who's actually, you know, most of us think of, you know, farmer wants a wife, uh, the loneliness of the farmer yeah. is that that's really real, isn't that it? That is a very real thing. I know so many wonderful young men and young women that are waiting patiently for the right mate, but they don't really have that much of an opportunity to meet a lot of people because of their, by virtue of their isolation. But, you know, some of the finest young men and women that I meet out there, I do mention them to each other and hope that maybe one day they might catch up and, um, and maybe help them in that way. But um, it's a very real thing. Farmer wants a wife is a very real thing. <laughs> There's another motive for that uh, that outback holiday that you're, you're planning, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because there might be a few lonely uh, farmers, young men, and as you say, fine young men, fine young women mm. who live in the west uh, or in the east, depending on which side of the country that you're living, uh, who are actually looking for a mate. And uh, come holiday time like this, and you're planning an outback expedition for a holiday, there might be all sorts of dimensions in that for you to look for. 
Hey, let's talk about the people who you come across, Liz, and you share the gospel into their situation. And sometimes we think that pastors only talk to people who are believers, but pastors like you, Liz, you'll talk to anybody and, uh, you know, talk the leg off a chair as well. Uh, This idea that people who don't know Christ sometimes come to Christ as a result of the conversations you have. I think the greatest gift that God gave us, you know, by the word of their testimony, um, people really hear when you testify uh, your journey, how you came to Christ, what state you were in before you came to Christ. People relate to that. And that is the door opener most times for people surrendering their life to Jesus. When they're in the place where I once was, They might be depressed, they might be anxious, they might be hopeless. They might have been through a deep grief. They might have all sorts of issues in their life. But all of us at some point have a situation like that in our lives. And so with testimony, it makes you a real person to the listener. And somehow the Holy Spirit breathes on that. And they pick what they want out of what you're saying that relates to them. The Holy Spirit does it. For some old bush bloke that's suicidal, the fact that you're on the off the land and you've been through bushfires, floods and many other catastrophes, drops in the cattle prices, etc., that relates to him so he can drop his guard and hear what you're sharing. And I've seen a case in point where a suicidal man with prayer came into his right mind and has been um, going really well ever since. Sometimes they get in touch with you later and uh, tell you about their heart's issues and the decisions they've made. Yes, yes, and that's a privilege. And and when they ring you, um, it's been a very considered thing. It's taken a lot of courage to make that call. So I hold those phone calls with great um, respect and I drop everything for those situations when they ring and just have that listening ear. One lady rang to say thank you for a gift card and she was a fairly inarticulate lady from far north Queensland but just a a gruff, but I could feel her heart and we talked on for a while and I wanted to send her the book uh, on grief, Uh, you know, when grief lives a dictionary and comes into your home. Um, No, that's right. Firstly, she said to me, thank me for the gift card and then she said, in closing, she said, um, yeah, I lost my only son seven years ago and I'm never going to get over it. And that was just, she just blurted that out in the middle of everything. And I was driving at the time and I remember I just pulled over on the side of the road and gave her my whole attention and I prayed into that situation and I did send her when grief leaves the dictionary and comes into your home and I'll see her next year when I go up into the far north. You've been doing this a lot of years now and uh, some of the people you catch up with are people that you've had earlier conversations and earlier visits with and uh, can you can you identify a, a pattern of some spiritual growth that happens in people uh, where you've had these wonderful conversations over the years? Wonderful. It's just wonderful. Uh, there was a young, very intelligent young man, had a very um, high-powered job and he had a property. And uh, his wife was a Christian. Anyway, I spent time with this family. I stayed overnight and I really, really knew that God had earmarked him, for want of a better word, for me to minister to. 
So we went for a drive up the paddock looking at the cattle and we'd talk something about the cattle and something about the pasture and something about God would be in amongst, dispersed in amongst that. And when I left, I felt like I'd really given him everything I could on that visit. And I gave him all of Angus Buchan's, gave them the DVD and uh, about three Angus Buchan's books. Well, some months later, six o'clock in the morning, I had a phone call from this wonderful man just to thank me that he, to tell me that he had surrendered his life to Jesus Christ and to thank me for everything that I'd given him to take him on that journey. Wonderful stuff, Liz. Hey, with all your travels, and uh, we're really primarily talking about Queensland today, but it might be something that happens in country towns all over Australia. Uh, When you visit a country town, obviously you get a little bit of an impression about how churches are working, how, you know, youth groups and children's ministries and these sorts of things function in country towns. Uh, Any highlights to mention so far as, you know, the good work that pastors are doing in various towns out and through uh, the central west of Queensland? Yes, Neil. um, Generally speaking, I'm outside the four walls where people are not going to be reached with the gospel but I do have connections in these country towns but one of the things God has placed in my heart for next year is a thing called Haybale Church and I've already done several of these and it's just people putting out a few hay bales in their garden and um, having a simple church service being available to dedicate their babies or whatever they need and then to stay around for three days and just have people come that want to talk. That was the blueprint the Lord gave me. But in speaking about pastors in country towns, I have a particular rapport with a beautiful family at Longridge, Ben and Janelle Kent, the Kent family, and their beautiful children. And that's a young man who truly is the real deal Christian. And I see, you know, even people in Longridge listening today, if you want to have a yarn, that young man will be just the right person to talk to he's very practical he's very wise and he cares and loves people they do as a couple they care about and love people and are very approachable do you pick up that uh, churches are friendly with each other that uh, you know the leaders you know when you've got uh, you know people like you mention ben Uh, you know, the relationship between the churches in country towns, because as you say, people in country towns in Australia not always concerned with denominational badges, so they actually will embrace people who are leading all different, various, uh, you know, flavours of different churches. Yes, well, they do get together uh, for prayer time, and I've actually attended one of those at Longreach, but they do get together and they do cooperate. I think at uh, Christmas they're having candles, Carols by Candlelight in Longreach, I think, in the street. And uh, that's a beautiful um, thing that everyone can feel comfortable coming to. Let's come to some of the receptions you get when you're knocking on doors uh, and sometimes unannounced because you don't know who's living in that particular property and uh, there's all sorts of ways you've got to you know make sure that the gate uh, is closed after you've entered it and uh, you know all about you know how to approach a, a country property but uh, but when you're knocking on doors unannounced I know this is an interesting spiritual dimension here because, Liz, you believe God is leading you along these 
pathways and uh, going through gates. I mean, it's an interesting thing to talk about how God leads. Uh, but uh, when you're knocking on those doors unannounced, what are you expecting to, to, to see, to hear the people that you're expecting to meet? Well, Neil, I get this, what I call a burden in my spirit that doubles me over to go down that road, to go down that road. I don't know who's at the other end uh, very often. I don't know who's at the other end. And I pray ahead, Lord, whatever you want to use me for in this situation, I'm able and you're able and we can do this together. So please, when I open my mouth, fill it. And um, just I think with one exception, I've always been invited in uh, for a cup of tea and one thing just leads to another in that situation. But I'd love to share a story here. This was several years ago. I'd driven over a very, very bad road to reach this property though I heard the people were in very dire straits. When I got there, the lady took a long time to come out and when she did, she gave me every expletive deletive that her husband had called the last religious person that had visited and, uh, and then she said, I'm going to let the dogs off. And uh, that is a veiled threat in the bush. If someone says, I'm going to let the dogs off now, that means you better get in your car and get out of here. Yeah. And out of my mouth, I found myself saying, not premeditated, oh, do you mind if I walk with you? And I walked about 150 metres with her over to let the dogs off. Miraculously, they didn't bite me. And I was just praying and I said, Father, you have not brought me this far over this shocking road to not give me a door of utterance with this precious hurting lady. Fill my mouth. So as we walked back to the car, I said to her, one thing I'd like to know before I go is how on earth you've managed to keep those cattle that I saw back at that last gate in that kind of condition, given your circumstances, and what bloodlines do you use? For a bushwoman, that's a very natural question. But that was what God gave me to say to her. Well, that opened the floodgates. And out of the car in the boiling hot sun, this lady poured her heart out of all of their troubles. In Amongst it was, and if it doesn't rain in six weeks, we'll have to get rid of the nucleus of our livestock. Um, and so then I prayed for her. I asked if I could pray. And I took her hands by the car the hard-working hands, and I prayed for that woman like I might never see her again for all the needs that she had intimated to me. I got in the car and left, and she said, if it didn't rain in six weeks, that was the deadline, no more money to feed cattle. Uh, she rang me in about three weeks and said they had had the first storms of the season in that region. Not only was it grass-growing rain, but it produced water, and she said to me, Next time you come, I hope you'll see green grass. So she was inviting me back again. Those are wonderful, wonderful stories. And there are lots of them that follow you around, Liz. When you're talking to people who we describe as the broken hearted, uh, you know, when we, we, we mentioned grief earlier. Uh, we mentioned uh, people who are wearied by the circumstances, whether it's drought and financial pressures and wearied by the family challenges. Uh, but that what those words broken hearted, uh, you know, these are biblical words as well. And this is an accurate description of where we can find ourselves broken hearted and looking for some support that will come from beyond ourselves. And and all of a sudden, Pastor uh, Liz Howland rolls in and uh, and you bring into the circumstance not just a listening ear but the presence and power of God into a circumstance and when you can be able to say that these are the outcomes, the answers to prayer 
these things connect people with God in a special way. Yes, they do. And over the years, I guess the brokenhearted are the closest to my heart because I've been brokenhearted and I know the pain of a broken heart. And that gives us the um, anointing, if you like, for want of a better word, the capacity to be able to reach people and pray for them. One of the things that really um, touches my heart is to see people locked in a time frame that they can never move past. And these people have a destiny. There's something about them that was their purpose on earth. But when they're locked in a broken-hearted situation, they just need help to get that released so they can come out and, and see the light of day again. And prayer is one of the most powerful tools in healing the brokenhearted. We've had some responses to our question on Facebook today. The question asks, how much is the presence of a pastor appreciated in remote outback towns? A few responses here. Karen says, my husband and I have recently completed a trip in, uh, in the outback and after seeing firsthand the drought situation and the vast distances between neighbours and towns, I reckon that a pastor would be very much appreciated by the locals out there, just someone to talk to and for them to listen to their hardships. Ian says the presence of a pastor much appreciated in remote outback towns, even the non-church goers take comfort that someone in the town is doing the Lord's work. There is a certain sense that, uh, that you know, it doesn't matter if you might have uh, the title pastor, or if you don't have the title pastor, you can still bring prayer. And it's just come to my thought and attention, the fact that so many of us are now planning a holiday this Christmas going into outback centres. Whether you're in Western Australia or in South Australia and you're planning an outback centre holiday, if you're in Victoria, New South Wales, if you're in Queensland, the Northern Territory, in Tasmania, the idea of when you go this year as a Christian going on holidays they can do the similar sort of work that you're doing, Liz. Absolutely. And would you believe in caravan parks, for instance, there's so many broken-hearted people running from their pain, hoping that by going on a holiday or going to a different destination that somehow it will go away. And that is a phenomena, really. And people open up their hearts. They've lost their daughter or their son or this is what's happened in our life. And they just open up. And that's the opportunity to pray with them. It's as simple as that. And we are meant to be Jesus' hands and feet. Whether we have a title or not, Christ in us is the hope of glory. And as we go, our light is meant to shine. People are drawn to the light of Jesus in us. And that light is what will draw all men unto him. So planning an outback holiday this Christmas could be the opportunity to be in the right place at the right time to be able to listen to the needs of people in the community. Because as you know, Liz, uh, when you're on a holiday and you're going to visit a different town that you li- that you don't normally live in, it is wonderful to connect with someone who's local, whether they be a Christian or not a Christian. You get these conversations started, and if you are astute enough uh, or perhaps humble enough to be waiting on God for an opportunity to share something into the heart and life of that individual and even uh, take that courage to offer a prayer, that can be one of the most powerful things you can do. And so uh, your encouragement here, Liz, for people who are going to be holidaying into 
outback communities, visiting country towns this coming Christmas. Um, you know, what's your what are your thoughts about uh, who to look for, and uh, and you know, where do you find the right people to 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 talk to and, uh, and to offer a prayer? Well, I believe it's all about the love of God shed abroad in our hearts. What comes out of us in love? What we're moved with compassion by? When we go into those situations, um, even in a coffee shop, I'm always sussing to see people that are in pain or whatever, and it'll just be a silent prayer on the inside, and I'll see their countenance change. Often with me, God will show me something about that person. You know, I'll be moved with compassion about that person, and I will just speak out, uh, would you mind, I, just, I was just praying for you while I was sitting here, and I just feel this, this, and this. And it'll just be a, a, an unlocking of a key, of a door, that just causes them to just open up. Uh, one day a young girl was waiting on me uh, in a, a shop, and she began to pour out her heart how she'd been molested as a child. And a woman at an automatic teller machine at 6 o'clock in the morning began to speak to me about what a terribly hard day she had ahead of her. And that just gives me the opportunity to pray into those situations. And so many times you hear back what a turnaround that prayer made for those people. And for some, it may well be just the motivation you need to plan a holiday this coming Christmas into an outback town, uh, into a community and uh, go and see the landmarks and see what you can see and have a different experience. Well, Liz Howland, just wonderful as always, getting your thoughts and your insights into uh, this latest expedition that you've just returned from. Let me point people to your website, lizhowland.com. That's lizhowland.com. Liz, of course, leads Ray of Hope Ministries. Uh, You've got prayer partners. You'd love to have a few extra friends that support you along the way. Uh, We talked about the way that you often will give out uh, vouchers in in places where people are going through real hardships. Uh, There's an opportunity there for those who might like to support you financially. So lizhowland.com.au for uh, being connected with Pastor Liz Howland. Liz Thank you so much for taking some time to share your thoughts and your heart with us once again today on 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.